Welcome back to Bringing Bach Back as we continue our look at St. Matthew's Passion. Uh, we're beginning a new episode with that today. We're looking at it in its entirety, translating it uh, into English so that we can understand the words and the themes that are being carried through in this tremendous work done by Johann Sebastian Bach. Last time we uh, had an episode, we left off with Peter denying Christ, and because of the timing in the episode, we had to bring that episode to an end, but there was one more chorale that really builds off that idea of St. Peter's denying of Christ, and so we're going to begin there. Uh, it is a chorale, a Lutheran chorale, and what we mean by that is a hymn. It is a hymn that it's known as, Sink Not Yet My Soul to Slumber, and the thing that we're going to hear is actually the sixth verse of that particular hymn. This hymn uh, is a evening hymn. It was uh, written by a gentleman named Johann Rist. It has 12 stanzas. This is the sixth one. As an evening hymn, it's one that is supposed to be sung um, as you go to bed, one uh, that, in fact, in the uh, first time it was published, it had it written there next to it, a Christian evening hymn with which to commit oneself to the protection of the Most High, the idea being con- the protection of God as you sleep. And so we're going to hear the sixth uh, verse of this particular hymn, and the words that we'll hear are this. Though I have from you departed, now I seek your face again. For your son, the loving-hearted, made our peace through bitter pain. Yes, far greater than our sin, though it still be strong within, is your love that fails us never mercy that endures forever. And I think, again, uh, as we are talking about St. Peter denying Christ, it is mercy that he needs, just as all of us do in our sin. God's mercy is the greatest thing that we need. We'll hear those words sung now as a chorale before we move back into God's word, beginning a new chapter, chapter 27 of St. Matthew. Next, we continue with looking at God's Word. We're beginning Matthew chapter 27 today. And Matthew chapter 27 begins with verses 1 through 6, which the narrator explains to us what happens to Judas Iscariot after he realizes the seriousness of his betrayal. 
Judas, of course, feels guilty about it, but because his faith in Christ is lacking, he doesn't know what to do with that. He doesn't have true repentance because he doesn't have faith that that sin he's committed can be forgiven. And so he goes to the wrong place. Rather than going to Christ and the mercy that he offers, he goes back to the law, to the temple, to the priests, and tries to undo the things that he has done, which of course is impossible. And so what we'll hear here is Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 through 6. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death, and they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate the governor. Then when Judas his betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since it is blood money. Thus far the word of the Lord. These words, of course, are fulfillment of the book of Zechariah, chapter 11, and maybe a little bit of 12 as well. And in this, we see Judas throwing the 30 pieces of silver into the temple, the same way that Zechariah threw 30 pieces of silver into the temple, the money he had been given for shepherding the flock of God. And, uh, and so we see these words, of course, fulfilled in Judas, who failed to fulfill his call to be a faithful pastor. We'll hear those words sung now at this time. Des Morgens aber hielten alle hohen Priester und die Ältesten des Volks einen Rat über Jesum, dass sie ihn töteten und banden ihn, führeten ihn hin und überantworteten ihn dem Landflieger Pontio Pilato, da das sei Judas, der ihn verraten hatte, dass er verdammt war zum Tode, gereute es ihn und brachte er wieder die dreißig Silberlinge den hohen Priestern und Ältesten und sprach, ich habe übel getan, dass ich unschuldig Blut verraten habe. Sie sprachen, was geht uns das an, was geht uns das an, was geht uns das an, was geht Und er warf die Silberlinge in den Tempel, hob sich davon, ging hin und erhängete sich selbst. Aber die hohen Priester nahmen die Silberlinge und sprachen, Es taucht nicht, es taucht nicht, dass wir sie in Gottes Kasten Now,
Next, we hear a base aria that's expanding the things that have just happened with Judas Iscariot. Uh, and specifically, it's more applying it to us, talking about how rather than money or riches in this world, we would rather have Jesus, and that that's the right way that it ought to be. And so the words that we'll soon hear sung by the base are this. Give me back my Jesus. See the money, the wages of murder, is thrown by the lost son down at your feet. Give me back my Jesus. And so you see here that uh, the thing that is valued in this particular aria is Jesus, and that we've given back the wages of murder, and so we'd like to have Jesus. I know that's a little bit weird to think about, but I think it's a really great insight what the true valuable thing is. It's not the things of this world, but it is our Lord Jesus Christ. And if Judas could have realized that, perhaps uh, he wouldn't have been condemned as he now is. And the call then for us as Christians is to realize that and then to live accordingly, begging God's mercy and forgiveness and valuing Christ above all other things. We hear that song now in a bass aria.
Next, we return to God's Word, Matthew chapter 27. We pick up verses 7 through 14, and in this we're going to hear just kind of the conclusion to um, what um, happened with Judas. It is going to be an interesting thing theologically. We don't have time to talk about it here, but it quotes Jeremiah, uh, but it really is quoting Zechariah, and the reason is that both Zechariah and Jeremiah predicted what would happen with Judas, and so I invite you to take a look at that on your own. After we hear about the conclusion of what happened to Judas, we also begin what is going to happen with Jesus as he stands a public trial before Pontius Pilate, the governor at that time. And so the words that we'll hear, Matthew 27, verses 7 through 14. They took counsel and bought with that the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, the field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel. And they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. We'll hear this sung in the traditional style for the rest of this narration with the evangelist and then also the characters being sung as well. Sie hielten aber einen Rat und kauften einen Töpfersacker darum zum Begräbnis der Pilger. Daher ist derselbige Acker genannt, der Blutacker, bis auf den heutigen Tag. Da ist erfüllt, was gesagt ist durch den Propheten Jeremias, da er spricht. Sie haben genommen dreißig Silberlinge, Damit bezahlet war der Verkaufte, welchen sie kauften von den Kindern Israel, und haben sie gegeben um einen Töpfersacker, als mir der Herr befohlen hat. Jesus aber stund vor dem Landflieger, Und der Landflieger fragte ihn und sprach, Bist du der Judenkönig? Jesus aber sprach zu ihm, Du sagest, Und da er verklagt ward von den hohen antwortete er nichts. Da sprach Pilatus zu ihm, Hörest du nicht, wie hart sie dich verklagen? Und er antwortete ihm nicht auf ein Wort, also, dass sich auch der Landflieger sehr verwunderte.
Next we hear another chorale. This is another familiar chorale or hymn to us as Lutherans today. It's one that's in our hymnal, but it probably doesn't sound that way because the tune that we use is a little bit different today. But it is the famous Paul Gerhard hymn, Entrust Your Days and Burdens. And it is set to a different song, of course, but it is in our hymnal, one that we sing very often in church. And the words that we're going to hear sung, I hope sound familiar, The words we have in the hymnal are as follows. Entrust your days and burdens to God's most loving hand. He cares for you while ruling the sky, the sea, the land. For he who guides the tempests along their thunderous ways will find for you a pathway and guide you all your days. And these are basically the words that are uh, written here in the German as well. There's always a little bit of a translation issue here. And um, to make it very wooden in the German would be even more beautiful than we have uh, to sing it here in the English. Unfortunately, we'll just stick with the English in this particular instance. But you see this uh, hymn sung now as a chorale to remind us as we're hearing about Christ standing before Pilate that we are ultimately in God's care. And that's really important because we see that in the life of Christ here. He is standing before the ruler who holds his life in his hands, and yet uh, he knows who really is in charge, and that, of course, is God the Father. Uh, And so he is unafraid and ready to face whatever comes his way in those fears and burdens that he faces. We'll hear that song now. There you heard the hymn, Entrust Your Days and Burdens, but you'll notice it was set to the tune of O Sacred Head Now Wounded, which is a great way to combine those two hymns uh, to bring out the really important part that we have here in the Passion, that when we are faced with challenge, uh, we entrust all of our worries to Christ. We continue then uh, with the next section, which is again returning to the words of Holy Scripture. Next we hear St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verses 15 through 22. Now, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted, and they then had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release for you, Barabbas? Or Jesus, who is called Christ, for he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, 
Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. We hear this sung now. Fest, aber hatte der Landflieger Gewohnheit, dem Volk einen Gefangenen loszugeben, welchen sie wollten. Er hatte aber zu der Zeit einen Gefangenen, einen sonderlichen vor anderen, der hieß Barabbas. Und da sie versammelt waren, sprach Pilatus zu ihnen. Welchen wollt ihr, dass ich euch losgebe, Barabam oder Jesu, von dem gesaget wird, ihr seid Christus? Denn er wusste wohl, dass sie ihn aus Neid überantwortet hatten. Und da er auf dem Richtstuhl saß, schickete sein Weib zu ihm und ließ ihm sagen, Nicht zu schuften in diesen Gerüchten. Ich habe heute Leben mit dir traut auf seinetwegen. Aber die hohen Priester und die Ältesten überredeten das Volk, dass sie um Barabam bitten sollten und Jesum umbrächten. Da antwortete nun der Landflieger und sprach zu ihnen, Welchen wollt ihr unter diesen Zweien, den ich euch soll losgeben? Sie sprachen, Pilatus sprach zu ihnen, Was soll ich denn machen mit Jesus? Von ihm gesagt wird, er sei Christus. Sie sprachen alle, There you hear it. I especially like at the end when the crowd of people begin to shout, let him be crucified. You hear the flute come in and kind of introduce that. And then you have this rolling effect, almost like a round, where people keep on shouting that idea, let Jesus be crucified and give to us Barabbas. Really brings across the idea of how it actually took place. The next thing we're going to hear then is another Lutheran chorale, another Lutheran hymn that has been built into this. And this one is another familiar one, both the tune this time and the words. It's one that we still sing in our church services today. Uh, And the hymn is, O dearest Jesus, what law hast thou broken? And so we'll be hearing that particular uh, hymn specifically 
Verse 4, which uh, in our hymnal, hymn 439, says, What punishment so strange is suffered yonder? The shepherd dies for sheep that loved to wander. The master pays the debt his servants owe him. Who would not know him? And so those are the words that we're hearing here as the crowd is shouting for the death of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus. And so you connect this death of Jesus to the punishment that we deserve and how he's paying the price for us. And it's just a really beautiful way to bring traditional Lutheran hymns into the Passion and see how they fit together. We'll hear that chorale at this time. And with that, we're to our break for this particular episode of Bringing Bach Back. And we'll uh, invite you to stick around as we continue to work our way through St. Matthew's Passion by Johann Sebastian Bach. We'll pick up with some more of it right after this break. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Bringing Bach Back. We are continuing our look at St. Matthew's Passion. We're working our way through chapter 27 of the Gospel of Matthew, specifically looking at the upcoming death of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have just had Jesus stand in front of Pontius Pilate. The crowd has begged that Jesus be crucified and that Barabbas be released to them. And where we're going to move with that is we're going to go forward and what's going to happen is Pontius Pilate is going to ask a rhetorical question. He's going to ask, why, what has Jesus done to deserve death? And it's a very short section of the um, narrative of scripture, but it asks that question and we're going to hear an answer in the part that follows it. So. Let's just start with the question there. Like I said, um, what we have that's going to be said is this. The governor said, why, what evil has he done? And this is verse 23 of Matthew chapter 27. So we have that question that's asked. We'll listen to it now. And after that, we'll hear the answer. Dear land, flieger, 
With that question having been asked, now Bach wants to give us an answer. And he's going to give us a truthful answer, not the answer that was said there at that particular day. And so what Bach is going to teach us is this. He says, He has done good to all of us. To the blind he has given sight. The lame he has made to walk. He has told to us his father's word. He drove out the devils. He raised up those who are distressed. He received and accepted sinners. Nothing else has my Jesus done. And it's not that Jesus hasn't done more things, as St. John says. If we wrote down everything Jesus did, it would probably fill all the world. But what Bach is saying here is that Christ hasn't done anything worthy of death. He has done good. He has done his Father's word. He has served God's people. He has been the Messiah and the Savior, and yet they're still going to put him to death. And uh, he does this, Jesus suffers this for our sakes, to forgive our sins so that the sins that we have done that should be held against us are not. And that's the beautiful thing here by Bach saying what Christ has done, it tells us how we then also are forgiven. And so we'll hear those words now sung by the soprano in this recitative. What a hauntingly beautiful soprano uh, singing there, uh, that particular part. And it's going to flow right into more of the soprano now in aria. And so we talked about how the last section said, what did Christ do that he deserved to die? Well, he healed the, the blind and the lame and all these things. And so he didn't deserve to die. So the question then is still standing out there, then why? Is Jesus dying? And Bach is going to answer that question. If it's not because he did anything wrong, if in fact he did good, making the blind see and the lame walk, why is he dying? The words of this next aria tell us, For love of me, my Lord is dying. For sin he dies, whose sins were none. Sin and death and hell defying. Our salvation thus is one. For us all forgiveness buying. You see, that's the, right, the reason that Christ dies on the cross. There's really nothing more you can say than that. Let's listen now.
Next, we're going to return to the words of Scripture. We're going to hear Matthew chapter 27, verses 23b, all the way through the end of verse 26. And as we hear this, we'll hear a couple different choruses that are in the midst of this. And when we read the uh, Scripture lessons, you'll see why. One of them, uh, we see the call again for Christ to be crucified. And the second one, uh, the call to let the blood of Jesus be upon us and on our children. And I'll talk about that just a second after we hear the words of Scripture. So uh, Matthew 27, verses 23 through 26. But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood, see to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Thus the word of the Lord. Now, I know this particular verse oftentimes has a little bit of a controversy over it, specifically the part that says, His blood be on us and on our children. The people who are saying that at the time mean it as a curse. They just want Jesus to be gotten rid of. And uh, to accomplish that means they would like to have the blood of Christ on them if it meant that he was gone. But what God what, what we meant as a, a curse, God actually works for a blessing. In the waters of holy baptism, the blood of Christ is placed upon us and our children, and it brings us forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, and we have hope and peace before God because the blood of Christ covers all of our guilt and our sin and our shame. And so what was meant as a curse actually is a blessing. And I know the words are controversial and there's been things done wrong because of them. That's the true meaning of them, that uh, what we had meant as a curse might be a blessing for us. So we'll hear this song. As we do so, you'll listen to that first chorus and you can hear the sinisterness of the crowd as they shout for Christ to be crucified. And then you hear the second chorus where we ask that the blood of Christ would be on uh, us and our children. And then finally, the evangelist ends this section by us hearing that Christ will be scourged and sent to be crucified. We listen now. Sie schrien aber noch mehr und sprachen.
und überantwortete ihn, dass er gekreuziget würde. We're now in the section of the Passion where Christ is being um, whipped uh, in preparation for crucifixion, or as it said in the, the words of the scripture, he's been scourged. Um, and this little section here now, if you can picture that in your mind as you listen to this next part sung by the alto, that will help you understand what the singer is focusing on. This is, again, theological commentary on what we're picturing in our mind. And so the words we're going to hear sung by the alto are this. O gracious God, here stands the Savior, chained and fettered. O buffeting, O wounds, O scourges. Tormentor, stay your hand. Does not the sight of such despair yet soften you that you forbear? But no, your heart is hard, much harder than the rock itself. Nor can you understand, yet hold you, stay your hand. And so you can see the accusation, in a sense, is, is that because of our sin, Christ is being scourged. It's because of us. We're the ones doing it to him because of our sin. And can't we stop it? Can't we hold back? And the reality is, no, our hearts are hard. Sin has penetrated us, and it is um, we have no choice but to give in to that sin uh, in our day-to-day life uh, as much as we are even Christians. And so it's this great picture here that what is happening to Christ is really a result of what we have done, and it's sorrowful and it's sad to see Jesus chained and fettered and beaten, and yet it is the truth of what has happened to forgive us all the sin that we have committed. So we'll hear that sung now by the alto. Next, we continue with the alto, who is going to continue to build on the thoughts that we just had in the last section. We're going to hear now an aria, and it's a little bit longer than some of the other sections have been, and yet it's going to really focus in on how sorrowful the reality of sin and what it causes in our life is. And so the words we're going to hear sung are this. If my weeping may not reach thee, I beseech thee, Take, O thou, this heart from me. Then, though vain my tears and pleading, it may, when thy wounds are bleeding, like an altar chalice be. And what we're seeing here, if you can imagine Christ is tied up and he's being whipped uh, with a flagellum, his skin is being ripped open and torn open and his blood is flowing out. And we have this 
picture of this happening because of our sin. And it's a sad picture. It's a terrifying picture. But what Bach does here with these words is he takes that picture and he says, this is the way our forgiveness is won. And then he tells us about the means of grace. How does that forgiveness come to us here and now? in a time far away from when Christ was crucified, in a land far away from where Christ was crucified? And the answer is the altar chalice. Bach is picturing the Lord's Supper here. The blood that flows from Christ is the same blood that we drink in, with, and under the wine in the Lord's Supper. And by that drinking and eating the body in the bread as well, we receive forgiveness, life, and salvation. And so Bach is bringing this whole idea full circle so that we can actually see uh, the Lutheran truth, the scriptural truth, that in eating and drinking the Lord's Supper, the things that Christ is are doing in our, our uh, gospel lesson, he's giving that gift of forgiveness to us through those things. It's a really amazing word picture. Let's listen to that now.
And with that, we are out of time, but I, I kind of like the place that we're leaving this. We've left with this image of Christ beginning his suffering and connecting that to the Lord's Supper, where the gifts that he earns are delivered to us. And so I encourage you, as we think about that, to go to church this weekend to receive those gifts at the altar of our Lord Jesus Christ, and especially keep that idea in your mind as you continue through the Lenten season, uh, heading towards Good Friday, and then also to Easter. But that will have to wrap it up for this particular episode of Bringing Bach Back. We'll continue our look at the Passion of St. Matthew by Johann Sebastian Bach next week, and we'll keep on plugging away on this. We'll get done with it, I think, in the next week or two. And so uh, that's our plan. Thank you so much for listening. God's blessings. Bringing Bach Back is a production of KNNALP 95.7, Lincoln, Nebraska. This uh, has been a great pleasure to bring this to you. If you have any questions or comments, check out our website, www.thecross957.org, and any feedback you have is much appreciated. God's blessings on your day.